Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hello. Well, it's lovely to see you all and thank you for making it tonight. We're uh, particularly grateful for you venturing out, although things are relaxing, but it's still a an issue, isn't it? But it's lovely to see you all. Um, I think that uh, clip gives us a lovely uh, taste of what we felt for the last three months, a whole bunch of chaos that was uh, sort of poured out on us without any sort of warning, even though, um, as far as we were concerned, you know, like Danny said in the introduction, uh, we'd already been talking about chaos and what it was. Uh, So what we bring to you tonight is already... Uh, was the set that was set to be delivered the week that we um, shut down. So I promise we've not messed with it at all. Well, we have actually. The first song, we said, I'm still standing instead of what we were going to sing because I thought that was more appropriate. Uh, Are you still standing? Yay, come on, we're still standing, aren't we? I'll be honest with you, I found it terribly hard. I'm a different sort of person. I find isolation hard. I need people. And so for me, it's been pretty tough. I know some of you, you know, Anne's found it really easy because he likes being totally isolated. But you know, but what I'm meaning is, you know, somebody said that we're all in the same boat, which is true, but we're all experiencing it very differently. And that's important that we all take that, you know, into account when we're relating to each other. We all you know, feel very differently about it. So anyway, there's, I hope you see tonight that, that Q is prophetic. And I'm not saying that to try and sort of uh, pat ourselves on the back. But I do believe we are led by the Spirit. And what we mean by the Spirit, uh, if you've been listening to Anne's um, talks, it's the third leg of the stool, rather than just going by right and wrong, that dualistic binary thinking, We're actually allowing something else to be part of the the, the thinking process that allows us to come to a different conclusion. And that's what we mean by being led by the Spirit. We don't want you to think we've got some highfalutin religious jargon going on here. We just mean that we have another aspect that is coming into our thought process and weighing things differently. So that's what I mean by that. So anyway, there's a there's a phrase that's been used a lot, and I don't know whether you saw Kev's little video that he put out three months ago. And the word that's been in our house for the last three months was unprecedented. Unprecedented. Did you see it? If you haven't, check out Facebook. It was unprecedented. Now, it's interesting, that word, because when we say that a thing is unprecedented, it means that there is no precedent for this. We haven't been this way before. And that's what really chaos does. It takes us into a situation that we have no frame of reference for. It's something that we didn't expect or bargain for. 
and it's totally out of our control. And it's part of an unfolding narrative. The next chapter we're going to write, but only when we get through what it is that we're experiencing. And uh, one has to ask themselves, where do we go from here? Because that's the sort of power that chaos brings to the table. Now, it's interesting that Jesus' arrival into his time and space, you could call chaos. He created chaos because he introduced himself into a old system, a religious system that was in place at that time. And what he did was he collided and he bumped up against things, codes and practices that excluded and divided and was challenging the binary thinking and that dualistic thinking of the time and separated people into us and them and right and wrong and uh, in and out. And that's what Jesus came to do. Um, and I, I, I just thought as, you know, as I was writing this for tonight that Jesus wasn't a dogma and neither did he come to deliver a dogma, but that's what has become the message in the church. It's supposedly a message that, that, that Jesus came to deliver. But actually, Jesus was a sound. Now, if you remember, the last week that we were here, we showed on the screen a load of sand on a, on a, on a, a tray, and sound was introduced to it. And that which was chaos which had nothing but disorder, suddenly turned into a shape and into a pattern. And the higher that note vibrated on the table, the more intricate and the more complex the pattern. It was just absolutely unbelievable. And uh, we introduced way back three months ago that that's really what we as a church are. We are bringing a sound into a situation that seems chaotic, but we're bringing a pattern and an order to it. Now, Jesus was this sound. He was a call to and the empowerment to lift us up beyond our limited outlooks into a new experience of what it means to be human. He invited us to expand our thinking what was more radical than being told to love our enemies? He was asking us to live, looking through a bigger lens, to go from me to us, from self-centeredness to other-centeredness. And of course, he was killed for that. Ego loves binary thinking. It loves labels. It loves categories. It likes to say, I am this. I am not that. And in our self-righteousness, it will always put us on the good side at the expense of others. So don't be uh, fooled at what ego does uh, to, to the human nature. But you see, growth is about ego dying so that we can really live. And often we grow in these times of chaos because we are forced to slow down. Now, how many of you have slowed down this last few months. We've, some have, haven't had the opportunity to do that. You've been working at a great pace, but others of us have slowed down. And in that slowing down period, it's like there's a curved ball that disrupts us and it throws us new terms and conditions. And it asks some questions that we haven't had to deal with before. Suddenly everything is up in the air 
And the solid ground on which we once stood suddenly isn't so solid anymore. It's not so comfortable, is it? So Jesus spoke in parables. And that's why here we use stories to try and get over our message. And tonight we'll use the film, The 100 Foot Journey, to take you on a journey. And if you haven't seen the film, then I recommend you go home and you watch it all because we've taken a couple of bits, but I promise you we haven't done it justice because the whole thing is just filled with wonderful lessons. So let me just give you a bit of background because I don't want you to miss it because you haven't had some sort of background to it. The Kadam family are the chaos that arrives from India and disrupts a quiet village in southern France. They open up a restaurant, the Maison Mumbai, directly across the road from a Michelin star eatery, Le Sol Pleureux, in direct competition. Now, Madame Mallory is, up, is the uptight proprietor, steeped in her ways and doesn't take too kindly to this intrusion. And equally, Mr. Kadam is very vocal about the superiority of Indian food compared to the French's meagerly portions and bland sauces. He wants people to experience something new. If only they'd try it, they would love it, he insists. There is an immediate class of cultures. Smells too strong, lights too bright, music too loud. The resulting rivalry eventually escalates in personal intensity till it goes too far and turns into all-out war. I think we've seen some of that over the last few weeks, haven't we? So the only hope for a peaceful resolution lies in Mr. Kadam's son, Hassan, because he has a talent for French cuisine. And impressed, impressed by his skills, Mallory agrees to become Hassan's mentor, much to the dismay of his father, and in the process provides a perfect environment for a unique fusion to occur that becomes the catalyst to earn their next Michelin star together. So I want to say this before we move on, and I hope these clips really do it justice. If you don't get it, come and talk to us because I promise you it's there. There's a wonderful message. But I want to say this. Our job here at Q isn't just to affirm what you believe already. If you believe something, that's fine. But our job here is to go against the belief affirmation society. We don't want to repeat the same tired old message that only serves to inoculate, but rather we want you to rub up against something you may not have heard or considered before so that you may be enlightened and grow. So tonight I hope you're set to make a hundred foot journey. Okay. All right, well, it's good to see you all. I have this uh, recurring dream where I turn up and I get up here and there's nobody in the building. <laughs> I'm serious, I haven't made that up. So I'm honoured and blessed that you're here. Thank you. It means a great deal to 
to me that you bothered to come back. And to you guys in the balcony as well. Uh, love you. Keith and Margaret and Liz and Dave, I think. I can't see you for the lights now. But of course, we've got space up there for anybody who uh, is feeling a bit apprehensive. We're happy to put your way up there. And we want you all to feel safe uh, as we work our way out of this um, crazy situation. Um, as Chris said, it's not, it's not an attempt to, um, to validate in a wrong way what it is that we bring to you, but it is a very real and necessary fact that um, I believe we are led by spirit. And uh, let me just give you a little, little example. Um, how many of you know who Cookie Monster is? From Sesame Street, Blue Cookie Monster. How many of you know what a mammal is? Not a mammal as in a live-bearing young feed with your milk. A mammal, A-M. M-A-M-I-L. A mammal is a middle-aged man in lycra, right? And that's the, I didn't make that up. That's the term for middle-aged man in lycra. You know the ones who you see who have taken up cycling, but wearing other attire would be more appropriate to their body shape with no disrespect to those who may carry a little extra weight. Lycra does not enhance your standing in the public arena. Well, I'm driving between Haxby and Strensel, and uh, I'm listening to a book on, 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 on Audible at the moment, which I call Jenny's book, because it's how I allocate the book that Jenny recommended. And um, as I'm listening to the book, I pull up behind a mammal, <laughs> on the road, and guess what his top is? His top is a proper Lycra cycle top, which I've never seen ever before, but it's Cookie Monster. It's big blue Cookie Monster on the back saying Cookie Monster. At that very moment, the guy I'm listening to in the book is talking about Cookie Monster people who eat all the cookies in respect of a style of leadership. The exact moment. Now, let me tell you, that happens to me all the time. And what it is to me is an indicator that somebody beyond my personal space and wisdom, something more powerful is telling me, you better listen because this is important. Now, that doesn't mean everything always pans out in the way that I personally would have decided it should pan out. But it does mean I constantly experience these things that say, listen to this, this is it. Now, I find the fact that uh, 17 weeks ago, what we had already prepared to introduce before even the possible shutdown was a thing, because we closed down a week before the shutdown, uh, how relevant it is to where we are. Therefore, I would suggest at least you give it some space to listen and have a think because just maybe way back then, something was being said that if we'd have decided to do this now, you would say that's just a reaction to what we have experienced. But it wasn't a reaction to, it was a sound towards that I think can be helpful to us. And so we started out tonight with the clip from, um, from Monsters, Inc., with, um, with the little child, Boo, who, of course, the whole idea of Monsters, Inc. was their whole business is, is scree fear and screams is what powers the whole community. And uh, unfortunately, Boo, the little child, escapes 
into their world. So enters their world. And um, I hope you get the irony that Boo, who was considered a disease, a risk to their world, had entered their world. Now, this is 17 weeks ago with no planning of what we were doing. And uh, when something enters our world that we're not expecting, and we have to now deal with it outside of it being contained in an environment that we're comfortable with, it causes all kinds of problems. And so in the funny way on Monsters, Inc., it does, uh, because what they show is that the potential for infection creates fear and mass hysteria. Now, how fascinating, 17 weeks ago, we've got this planned that the infection that comes in that wasn't expected creates fear and mass hysteria. Um, This also happens, incidentally, with ideas. And it's one of the problems you have if you're going to have ideas about things that have been established, then expect to be treated as though you're bringing an infection and what people will respond with is fear and mass hysteria rather than, wow, that's amazing, maybe we should take note. But the introduction of this chaotic situation where Boo escapes into Monsters, Inc. world was the catalyst to real change. So, so it looked terrible, but actually, if you watch the movie, it became a catalyst to real change. A real change, first of all, of heart, a change of heart and a change of attitude, which pre-worked pre, pre a sense of change within the society. Now, we also witnessed that in the 100-foot journey, where these French guys were very upset because the Indians had opened their restaurant and, you know, Chris has given some, some prelims uh, to that. And so because of their upset, they started a fire of what we might think was the wrong kind. And if you just stopped the movie there, you would say, that's terrible. They started a fire of the wrong kind. But if you watch the movie, actually, it becomes a catalyst in the creation of something of the right kind something of love's kind, and that's what I'm believing and hoping as we share this tonight will happen to you and to me, that there will be a catalyst for a change of love's kind. So, again, do you see, isn't it interesting that 17 weeks ago, we hit two themes. We hit the one of contamination through infection, and the one on racism. What have been the two issues that have been predominant in the last 17 weeks? The COVID-19 infection and the racism issue raised by the death of George Floyd. And yet 17 weeks ago, we were hearing something. Now, that, that doesn't make us right or wrong. It just means that we're on the pulse of something that if we'll hang with it, will help us to process this in ways that bring life and not death that go the way of love and not the way of division. It's interesting that the fire that the boys started in the first video, which were directed against the Indian restaurant and the Indian owners, where the racism really came in. And of course, you heard the statement that actually came from the Indian guy, that Indians can't be French and French can't be Indians. But the guy whose hands were burned, if you wondered about the omelette, that's the chef boy. And the way this lady from the restaurant across the street measured whether a chef was capable was by them making an omelette, because there's a special skill to that. But you see, the problem was the fire burned his hands, and that's terrible. It's it's awful, and those are always the results 
when we discriminate against people, somebody gets not only burned but maimed in one way or another. But the only answer then is that somehow we have to work together. So for him to make the omelette, she would have to break the eggs. And if, if, if our situation, particularly in these, these troubled times when we talk about issues like this, don't become that we can make an omelette but somebody has to break the eggs that bring us together, that's what unites us and breaks down the wall of division and, and changes the 100 foot to nothing. That's what does it. See, see, I mean, it's right up my street in what happened because the Kadam family, that's the Indian family, dared to build their restaurant in a place, in a style, and with a flavor that did not fit within the state convenience of an old French village. And they were trying to do something that just didn't fit. It didn't really make sense. And sometimes I feel we're a little bit like that. I don't think what we've done, we've done very well, particularly. Or, or maybe that's wrong. Maybe we've done it very well, but we might not have done it as effectively as we could do and ought to do. And that's where we need you, because we're onto something here. But the result of them doing that was chaos, rejection, and hatred. That was the result. Chaos, rejection, and hatred. And, and we can all decide and determine that a thing is either too close for comfort or within reach for a fusion of flavour. So is it too close for comfort that we don't want to deal with the issue or is it close enough that we can now create a fusion of flavours? That's the whole point of this 100-foot journey is not one being better than the other or getting rid of the other. It's about can we become a fusion of flavours that integrates these cultures so that everybody is blessed and something wonderful happens. See, the question would be, does anything change significantly without a catalyst? And the answer really to that is no, but who wants a catalyst? Because um, what's interesting is that, is that a catalyst causes a reaction. That's what a catalyst does. When you introduce a catalyst, it causes a reaction which often subatomically is violent at first. If you could see the action of introducing a catalyst in physics, you would realize that the initial response at subatomic level is violent. There is a violence, a chaos about it, but that's part of the process that brings change. And if we won't adopt the chaos of the catalyst, then we can't have the blessing of the change. So this movie on a sociological and psychological level is showing that there has to be a catalyst in there, but the chaos of the catalyst can be the very thing that begins the transition that brings change. I hope that what we've experienced over the last 17 weeks, whether it be in, in, in reference to how communities respond and what we think about fear, and whether it's about race and discrimination and hatred, I hope we've learned something that allows that catalyst to bring a change and say this is not too close for comfort, this is within reach for a fusion of flavours. And so it's so interesting to me that we should have chosen a movie that's built around difference and race and tradition and entitlement. It's all in there. And self-righteous superiority displayed by both sides. If there's one thing that the Bible goes after in the Gospels, it's self-righteousness. 
Jesus had a lot of room for unrighteousness, or what we would see was unrighteousness. People just getting it wrong in life, making some wrong decisions, making some choices. When I say wrong, I don't mean to separate you from God. I mean things that separate us from our own fruitful journey. But one thing he came against all the time was self-righteousness. And self-righteousness will occur in any side of any division that is created. And we are called by the Spirit of Christ to work against that. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. That's why he said, bless those who curse you. Right? It was the antithesis to empirical thinking, which all empirical thinking does. One empire breaks down another empire to create their own empire and nobody solved any problems. We just kept the empire problem. But I believe Jesus had the key there. See, the catalyst was chaos. The catalyst that causes the reaction. Now, I might talk about this in a talk this week that I put out online, but this is an amazing story. I won't get into it tonight. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, about one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, who has a vision of a sheet coming down out of heaven. And in the sheet are animals, what, what in the Jewish tradition they know as clean and unclean. And if an unclean thing in Jewish tradition touched a clean thing, it became unclean. So therefore it was all unclean. And the Jews were told, you can't eat these animals. But now Peter hears this voice from heaven, from God saying, go and kill an animal and eat it. What it was, was a challenge to his tradition, his, his set belief system, his immovable dogmas that said, I can't do that. I've, and, and the self-righteousness says, I've never done that and I would never do that. But he was instructed to do something that would break, break a cycle that was ultimately divisive and destructive and to have the bravery to actually do it because it became about everything that God sees is clean. And when we come into that space of cleanness and love, we are better placed to bring wholeness and healing. I might talk about that, like I say, in, in the middle of the week because Peter was still too interested in preserving a tradition rather than provoking a change. And we don't want to be in that space. The idea was not the eradication in this film of either restaurant. It wasn't, could the Indians put one over on the French or the French put one over on the Indians? Because who, who wins when that happens? Nobody. The idea was not the eradication of either restaurant and flavour, because flavour comes into this, but the loving fusion of the two. That's the objective. The problem is, I believe, though, that there are still too many of you, and I don't say that lightly, that want to preserve the integrity of your own restaurant menu. And we've all got to give it up. See, if we don't fully get this that, that we have been dealing with tonight, we are going nowhere. And society's going nowhere. We just replicate the same problems with the different players. So we get rid of the French restaurant so the Indian restaurant can thrive. Or we get rid of the Indian restaurant so the French restaurant can thrive. And who's, who's won what? Because next week when the Caribbean restaurant comes in, or the Italian restaurant, we have the same problem. You see, it's about a loving fusion. That's what we're about as Q, a loving fusion of the flavors and tastes and menus. See, the low, if, if we don't fully get this, we're going nowhere. And there will always be, bubbling under the surface, a resentment and a hundred-foot journey that was never made. But if we can make it, 
It just might be the beginnings of something very, very special. So I love the bit where uh, Madame Mallory uh, says you, to when she's talking about your pitiful, he, 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 um, he, he says, you put these pitiful little squash bits of garlic. And she says, that is called subtlety of flavour. To which Papa Kadam replies, it's called meanness of spirit. If you have spice, use it. Don't sprinkle it in. And we have to make a decision as to sometimes when we're trying to preserve something, what is a meanness of spirit rather than a subtlety of flavour? And, and maybe it's time that you and I and all of us have got to get a hold of what it is that we're trying to do and we've got to, we've got to use it, right? We've got to use it. Don't just sprinkle it in. We've got to use it, but it needs all of us to do that. We need bold and radical decisions to accomplish our goal. So what is that 100-foot journey that you need to make? What, what, is, what has come up in this? Where's your 100-foot journey? What, what stands in your way that needs to be removed in order to make that journey? Well, our final clip from this movie shows what one short journey can do if we're willing to make it. But it may as well be a thousand miles if we won't love past our dogmas. Remember, can I please make you an omelette? But I may need you to crack the eggs. That's what it looks like when love gets past the dogma. And what they create, his, his omelette is the best omelette she's ever tasted because some of the spice of what he is goes in there. And we have the fusion of Indian and French and the outcome is amazing. And if you watch it, the outcome is that they get another Michelin star. I want us to be a Michelin star church. But we do it by the fusion. So can I make you an omelette? But I may need you to crack the eggs. for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.